All right, look at what it says in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of, of another. The, me, the title of my message this morning is By Love, Serve One Another. And this message I'm going to be preaching this morning, this is what I call a preventative maintenance message. All right, So I haven't seen a problem in this area, so I'm not picking on anybody. But you know, as a pastor, you know, you... You know, you try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you try to uh, you pray and ask the Lord to help show you what the church needs. And I don't know, it's just one of those things. I just felt I, I was like, I feel like I need to preach this right now because as our church is growing, I can kind of see this eventually becoming a problem. Because all right, we've only been here for seven years, but you know, I've been in, around church my whole life. Right? I've been around ministry my whole life, and I've been a part of bigger churches, smaller churches. I, and I I know what I'm talking about with this stuff. And there's something that I really want to keep out of our church. And so this is kind of a preventative maintenance message, all right? And so in, in a congregation of believers, one thing that you're going to find out is you're going to have all different kinds of people. And, you know, I'm thankful we've got a variety of personalities in this church. And that's kind of nice. Have you ever been to one of these churches where everybody's exactly the same? And they're usually all just like the pastor. And there's a reason for that because nobody's allowed in that church unless you're exactly like the pastor. And, you know, we, we don't, it would be bad if we were all exactly alike. Okay, that's not good. We need a variety of personalities. You know, everybody has their strong points, everybody has their weak points. And different people have different gifts and they have different ways that they contribute. And you know what? All of them are important. All of them are important, but if we're not careful, as individuals, we can start getting real self-centered and we can start getting really focused. We can start getting more focused on what other people are doing instead of just focusing on what we are supposed to be doing. And when that starts to happen, it ends up causing problems. And one of the things that we're supposed to be doing as a Christian, something that God called us to do, and it's something that we all should be participating in, it's something that, and we're all going to have different ways in how we do this, is serving one another. And when it's talking about serving one another, what I'm talking about today, I'm talking about serving one another in the church. Alright? As a congregation of believers, we ought to be doing what we can for each other. Not just for others. And a lot of times people who get this self-centered attitude, one of the things that they want to do is like they want to take all their ministering outside the church. They don't want to help they don't want to help the church. They don't want to help the people, the congregation they just kind of got their own thing that they do that they like to focus on outside the church. Hey, and if you want to do stuff like that, if you want to do ministries outside the church and help people outside the church, that's fine. But don't neglect what God's called you to do as a part of this congregation, and that is to serve one another. We're talking about in this church, and I'm going to show you a lot of examples on that and kind of where the priority should be. But let's look first. I want us to look at some things that often cause God's people to end up forsaking their call to serve one another. Because we have been called to serve one another. We see Jesus, right before He died, what did He do? He went and He washed the disciples' feet. Trying to set an example for them so they would serve one another. He wanted them to help each other out. And that's something we're supposed to do. But that often gets stopped in churches. Often, people start getting a self-centered attitude. What ends up happening, you start having cliques form in the church. 
You start having you know ten different groups in the church, and you end up having divisions, and that's not what we're supposed to have in the church. And so let's look at some things that often cause this. Because look back at the passage that we just read in Galatians chapter five, in verse thirteen it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Okay? Thank God we can't lose our salvation. But that doesn't that doesn't mean we should just go taking advantage of the fact that we can sin and still go to heaven. You know what we ought to do? We ought to use this liberty we have to do something good and by love serve one another. And he says, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, why did he bring this up? We don't have time to read all the book of Galatians, but the reason he brought this up is there was a problem in this church. They had some Judaizers that came in there. People who I believe probably got saved, but all of a sudden they decided, hey, you know what? We've got these Gentiles that are getting saved and they're not keeping the law like we do. And they started saying, we see in the book of Acts, there were people that rose up and said, except you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so all of a sudden they started looking at the Bible like, well, hey, is this true? Because we've got these Gentiles that got saved out of a wicked lifestyle and you know what? They come with a whole bunch of baggage. These guys, they don't act the way the Jews do. Those who were raised being taught Bible principles, those who were raised being taught morality, these Gentiles are coming with a whole bunch of baggage and we don't like this baggage. We're not comfortable around these people. They're a little crude. you know. They're, they don't look as good as we do. You know, are they even saved? You know, and you know what? If you're saved, you're going to keep the law of Moses. So they started, you know, discussing these things. And you know what? They ended up coming to the conclusion that you know what? No, you don't have to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And they said, let's not put any great burden on them that our fathers weren't even able to bear. He said, we can't even keep the law of Moses. Our fathers didn't keep the law of Moses. Why would we put that on them? But what they did decide to do is they said, hey, let's teach them, not in order to be saved, but in order to have a good testimony, in order to be a part of the congregation, they said, let's teach them to restrain, from, uh, you know, abstain from fornication, pollution of idols, and you know, eating things with the blood. So they put those rules on there, not things that they had to do in order to get saved or stay saved or anything like that, but in order to have fellowship in the church. And we do have rules like that. We don't have rules that you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved, but if you want to be a part of the fellowship of this congregation, you know you can't be out there fornicating and committing adultery and being an extortioner and a railer and all those things that the Bible mentions. You can't be doing that. But at the same time, a lot of these things they were looking at, they're just kind of nitpicking. You know, these people, they're just, they don't look like we want them to look. They don't act like we want them to act. And so what's go, what starts going on, they start kind of looking down on these people. And the thing is, We've been called at liberty. So that means, you know, I have the ability to do the right thing. I don't have to live like the world. I don't have to look like the world and dress like the world and talk like the world. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And so you know what? Thank God I can live a separated lifestyle and do things for the Lord. But that is not an opportunity for me to go biting and devouring those who aren't living up to my standard. Because look what he says in verse 15. Because he said, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed to be not, ye be not consumed one of another. Now, why is he saying this? Wouldn't it just be the spiritual people consuming those who are not spiritual? No, because here's the truth. We all have our issues, don't we? We have all have sin in our life. None of us are perfect. And, you know, and I can start you know, 
get coming down on you and biting and devouring you for one thing, but you can bite and devour me for something else. In the meantime, we've got a mess in our hands. Everybody's fighting with each other. And the thing is, we've been called at liberty. And why don't we just take advantage of that liberty to by love serve one another? Instead of me going and putting a burden on myself to just, you know, enforce all these rules that I'm having a tough enough time keeping myself, enforcing all these rules on you, how about I just take advantage of my liberty and by love serve you? And just be good to you and be kind and be a blessing. I think I, I'm allowed to do that. And that's what we ought to be doing, but often. What ends up happening in churches is you do. You've got people, they start following the rules. You know, a lot of times, too, they're, they're people, they, do, they, they, they come into church and they kind of start, they, maybe they're newly saved. And they start saying, hey, look at how this, you know, everybody dresses in the church. And they just kind of immediately conform, not always knowing why they do the things they do, not always knowing why they dress the way they dress or whatever. They don't always fully understand that, but then. But it's like they do it because they feel like they have to. They feel like if I don't do it, everybody's looking down on me and I'm going to get judged. You know, which is like the 11th commandment, thou shalt not judge. You know, and they, that, that's how they start to feel about it. Well, now they're doing it with a bad attitude. And we've got all these people, and then you start getting all these people in the church. They're doing right, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And then here's what they all end up doing. Somebody else comes in the church. And they're not doing those things. And what do they do? Well, if I have to do it, they have to do it too. Your kids ever done that? You know, they, if you let one kid do something, you know, that you had told them no to before, they throw a huge fit about it. And sometimes people in church are the same way. And what ends up happening, we all start just getting a me versus them attitude and we quit serving each other. Why? Because people aren't as spiritual as we think that they should be. Well, you know what? Here's the great thing about the liberty that we have in Christ. It doesn't mean I can just go not be spiritual. It means I can go ahead and love somebody even if they're not that spiritual. Here's another great thing about you know, us being able to forgive people and God commanding us to forgive people. You know what? I can just give people a pass on things. If somebody hurts me, if somebody does something against me, I can just go ahead and I can love them anyway. I've got permission from God to do that. And I don't have to burden myself with trying to figure out how I can make them pay the penalty for their sin against me. I can just let it go. And then I can actually enjoy my life and actually be a blessing. But you know what? Many people are missing out on that in church today. They're looking at others in the church. I don't like them. I don't like how they dress. They're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. And what do they do? In many cases, they try to be the enforcer in the church. They try to straighten people out. And all that it ends up doing is it makes them the most miserable person in the church. And in the meantime, they don't get to enjoy the blessing of just being a loving, friendly person that is a blessing to other people and they end up just hurting everybody else in the church with that and we've got to keep that away. And this church in Galatia had had that problem because they didn't like the spiritual condition of their brothers and sisters. And you know what? You just need to get over it. If you don't like how spiritual somebody is, you need to get over it. And we often do. We get overly critical. We don't give people a chance to grow. And we often, I think just many people get jealous because some people don't do as much as they think that, you know, they're not doing as much as I'm doing. You know, they haven't changed as much as I did. You know, I started looking like a Christian two months after getting saved. Why is it taking them two years? Hey, some people are slow. Some people are just a little more rebellious. Some people just, some people just haven't got a clue. All right? Some people are just really slow learners. 
Give people time. Don't worry about them. Just worry about yourself. Turn over to John chapter 21. See, if you're doing right for the right reasons, it's not going to matter who does what. It, it will not matter to you. It says in John chapter 21, this is after uh, Jesus has just told Peter about how he's going to end up dying. He's going to end up being a martyr. And he said uh, in verse 18, and then in verse 20, it says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? After Peter finds out from Jesus that he is going to be martyred, what does Peter do? Instead of saying, um, is there you know, option B? You know, or, you know, Lord, how, you know, how, how am I going to be martyred? You know, instead of kind of asking questions that apply to himself, what does he do? He hears he's going to die, and his immediate reaction is, what about John? Is he going to die too? I mean, I don't know if that's what he's thinking, but he immediately he brings up John because God or Jesus just told Peter he's going to die, and then in verse twenty um, or verse twenty one, Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith to him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. He's saying to him, Hey, if I want him to stay alive until my return. What is what is that to thee? In other words, what does that have to do with you? What does what happens to John have anything to do with your life? He said, follow thou me. You know what he was telling Peter? Mind your own business. He's telling him, mind your own business. And let me tell you something. The spiritual condition of somebody else in the church, what is that to thee? What does that have to do with your walk with Christ? What does that have to do with your service? It has nothing to do with it. You know what? Follow him. Yeah, but you know, the Bible says we're supposed to this, and that's what I'm doing. Why aren't they doing it? That's not your problem. Do not burden yourself with that problem. Do not worry about that. You know, let Jesus deal with them on Judgment Day. Are you doing these things because you know what you're supposed to? Are you coming to church because you love the Lord? Do you go soul winning because you're trying to be obedient? Or are you just trying to do what you've got to do to be socially accepted in Liberty Baptist Church? Why are you doing the things you do? If you're doing them for the right reason... Who does what isn't going to matter one bit. It's not even going to be a thought to you. And you know what? You'll be able to serve people even if they're not doing what you think they should do. So you know what? Just get over it. Mind your own business and just serve the Lord and don't worry about the spiritual condition of other people. If they're a part of this church, it ought to be a part of your ministry to be a blessing. It ought to be a part of your ministry to love one another. You ought to get to know the people in this church. You ought to try to find out their names. You ought to pray for them. You ought to, you ought to do those things. You ought to be concerned about what's going on. If they give a prayer request, you ought to be concerned about their prayer request. And you ought to go and you ought to pray for those things. That is part of your ministry here at this church. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. So we often let people's lack of spirituality stop us from serving each other. But we often, we just put our priorities above their priorities. And look what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, 
But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So we all know this story. Martha's doing all the work. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha gets bent out of shape because here she is. I mean, she's serving. And isn't it a good thing to serve? Yeah, it's a good thing to serve. But the more important thing to do at that time was to take advantage of the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what He had to say. She had actually chosen the better thing, but in Martha's mind, she's thinking, you know what I'm doing is more important. I mean, look at me slaving away. I'm doing all the work. And my sister, she's not doing anything. Martha felt like serving was more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is something that often happens in churches is people, you know, once again, everybody's got their area. Everybody has their specialty, their, their own gifts, and their own priorities. But often what we do is we make the mistake of making our thing the most important thing in the church. And then we've got a problem with everybody else. And I've seen this before, you know, when I was at the last church, you know, you had you had your workers in the church. You know, we we did a lot there was a lot of building projects that took place there. And you had your people in the church. They were all they would be there for any building project. They were always ready to do the manual labor and physical work. But you know, when it came to soul and things like that, you'd never find it. But then you had your soul winners who would never do any of the manual labor. And so you kind of had the two groups. You had the workers and you had the soul winners. And, you know, and the soul winners, well, you know, winning souls is the most important thing. You know, but then you had these other people, but yeah, you know, it's a work day. People only have so much time off and we're able to come and do these things. And everybody kind of had their own priorities and you ended up having like the two groups, you know. And then the workers, they all get all mad, you know, when you're building new buildings and the soul winners are enjoying the activities and those things who did nothing to contribute. And that kind of thing would happen and cause division in the church. But listen, you've got to understand, you know, people, people have their, their areas of contribution and they often do. They, they start justifying in their own mind. And you can have that conversation back and forth all you want. And then, you know, the soul winner, well, show me the Bible where it says, go ye into all the world and build buildings. It says, preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah, but you know, at the same time too though, where does it say in the Bible that, you know, you have to go soul winning only on Saturday at this particular time? Why can't you be a little bit flexible and hear all these other people have agreed, hey, let's take time out of our schedule to come do this physical labor. You know, why can't you just do, you know, and so all of a sudden it becomes this contest. And it becomes this battle of wills between people and it ends up causing a lot of division. And this is, and the thing is, we don't always have Jesus there to step up and say who is right in that situation. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I do think some things are more important than others, but if we're all honest, it's not always about the ministry, about the priority, it's about us. And even with the soul winners sometimes, it's not that they think soul winning is more important, it's just they've got their set time, and they feel like somebody else coming along and saying, hey, we need to do this instead, it, all, it becomes a pride thing, is what it is. Why should I have to change my schedule? You know, see, it's, and it's not about the souling with these people. And I just want to thump, I, I just wanted to thump these people over the head many times. You know, some, listen, you, you, all of us need to be a little bit flexible. We can be flexible, 
But people try to find their way, a way to make their ministry the most important. And this is a pride problem. See, what it really is, this is what it is. I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you something. This goes on in churches all over. I'm not really seeing it here, but I, I, I can smell it. I, I, just, I smell it coming. And I was like, I'm preaching on this before we have a problem here because I, just, I, don't want, I don't want to deal with it. This is a pride problem when this happens, all right? So you've got the workers, you've got the soul winners, which is more important. Well, of, of course, soul winning is the most important thing. But you all understand, we are a congregation too, right? You know, we do meet together. A part of what we do is to assemble together. And you know what? We do. We need to take care of the building that God has given us. We do need to take time you know, it's, it's okay to get together and have activities and do fun stuff and fellowship. All those things are important. They help build us up. They help strengthen us spiritually, which will ultimately help us be better soul winners. But what happens? Many, and I've seen this before. You'll have that soul winner or, or, many times, or the bus worker. All of a sudden, it's like something comes along. Pastor wants to like schedule an activity or not even the pastor, maybe somebody else in the church that's a leader in another area, they want to schedule some activity, but hey, that's, their, that's our bus route time. That's our soul winning time. And what it is, they feel like they are putting that in priority over my ministry is what ends up happening. And so they, you know, I'm not, I'm not moving, I'm not changing, and all of a sudden it's like it's in the Bible, you have to go soul winning Saturday at 3 o'clock. You know? It doesn't have to be at that time. And it doesn't even have to be on Saturday. You know, and people do. They get all bent out of shape. But what they do, now we've got people in the church, they just, you know what, I'm just not even going to, they don't help with those things. They won't be a part of activities. They won't be a part of the work. They're just going to stay in their area and their ministry. And that's where the cliques start forming. They're not willing to just serve one another. They're not willing to look, you know, not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. They want to draw attention to what they're doing. And so one of the things they'll do is whenever the church activity is going on, and well, where's so-and-so? He's out souling. You realize what they're doing is it's a way to draw attention to what they're doing. My absence will be noticed. People will ask, why are you absent? Why weren't you there? I was doing this. And it's a way that they can just talk about what they were doing. This is it's a, it's a, their way of drawing attention to what they're doing. These people, they have no problem inconveniencing everyone else just for themselves. You know, and truth is, the more they inconvenience everyone else, the more it will draw attention to what they do. If everybody's planning on doing something, all of a sudden now, he ends up throwing a wrench in the, everybody's plans. Because, you know, his soul winning or his bus route, bus visitation at that time, now everybody's noticing it. And people do that as a way to draw attention to what they're doing. It's a pride problem. They have no flexibility. And then they try to act spiritual because of it. You know, it's just, it's a, some people, they, they'll, they'll never change their soul winning schedule for anything. Ever. Just because, no, winning souls is most important. Listen, winning souls is the most important thing to do, but it doesn't have to be at that time. You're saying that, and you're not willing to bend, and you're not willing to budge, because that's your way of making a statement, my ministry is the most important ministry. My thing is the most important thing. And it is a pride problem that people have. These same people, whenever the other activities are scheduled on that day, or anywhere around their time, they always make sure that they're going to be late. 
for that event. You know, we're going to have a Christmas dinner or whatever. You know, and, and so this, this, I don't think this is going to happen here. But like, you know, what happened, like, let's say we scheduled our Christmas dinner at 5. And, you know, and you have that soaring. Well, I'm usually still soaring. I usually go to about 5.30. Well, they're going to make sure they don't go to the Christmas dinner until 5.30. And they're going to make sure that they are noticeably late so they can make sure when everybody asks, why were you late? I was out soaring. It's their way of making a statement. What I was doing is more important than what everybody else is doing. And many times people that do this stuff, a lot of times they'll have some kind of ministry in the church. They'll have some kind of time where they do things. where they're, I mean, there's literally, they're literally the only ones doing it. Maybe there's only a few people. And it is. It's something that could be rescheduled. It's something that could be done at a different time. But they won't do it. Why? Because they, do. they want to show up late. Because they're offended. How dare they not think of my ministry when they scheduled this event at that time? Well, I'm sorry you know, that we decided to think of the other 50 or 60 people instead of one. And that's how people are. I had somebody tell me that one time. They rebuked me because I kept leaving them places for being late. I was like, you guys, there was 20 other people that were on time. You all wanted me to inconvenience 20 people because you couldn't show up on time? And tell, now, now tell me I'm selfish again. Tell me that I am inconsiderate of other people's feelings. Everybody else was on time. You weren't, and you want me to hold everyone up because you were late? Who's the selfish one? Who's self-centered? And I'm telling you, that kind of attitude is all over in churches today. It is all over the place, and I want to keep that junk out of here. You know, and so they do. They, they want to, it's like they're, they're late on purpose. I've known some of these people. I know what they were doing. They're late on purpose. Why? So they will be noticed. That's why they do it. And these people, they often expect everyone to be involved in their ministry because it's the most important. But when somebody else in the church tries to set up some kind of activity or set up some kind of ministry, they don't want to have anything to do with it. They won't help them out. And we ought to have an attitude. If we, our attitude ought to be anything that's going on in this church, we want it to succeed. If one of my brothers and sisters in Christ are trying to do something for the Lord, I want them to succeed. I want that ministry to work out and I'm going to help it. That should be our attitude. But no, we don't do that. We often end up working against people. Why? Because it helps exalt ourselves. It is a pride problem. And a lot of these people that want to go around beating their chest, soulning is the most important thing, therefore I'm not going to change for my 3 o'clock soulning time, they've got a pride problem is what it is. They're thinking about themselves and it's their way of drawing attention to what they do. And if we're not careful, we can become so self-centered in these things you know, we will also end up getting our priorities wrong on who we minister to. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. One thing you can always count on with that real spiritual person in the church, alright? This is something the most spiritual person in the church always does, alright? So, if you think you're the most spiritual person in the church, you're going to want to change your status real quick because about what I'm going to say about you. But... They often do, what, what they often do, they get so spiritual, they're so much better than everybody else, they can't even handle ministering to these people anymore. So all of a sudden, they end up focusing their ministry outside the church. So, you know, they would rather spend all their time, you know, witnessing to the lost. And it's a good thing to witness to the lost. But they would rather do that rather than minister to God's people in the church. Because of the fact they like the lost people better. You know, they would rather 
go someplace where they can feel like the superior one. What a lot of the real, and, and listen, it is not bad to do this, all right? What I'm about to say, it is not a bad thing, and if you participate in this in any way at all, I'm not saying you are this person. But, a lot of these real spiritual people that are better than everybody in the church, some of their favorite ministries to work with are like with the homeless and bums and things like that. Why, why do they do that? It's a place where they can easily go and feel superior. And so they're, they often gravitate towards that. But at the same time, those people will never, ever lift a finger to do anything for people within the church, within the congregation. Why is that? Okay, now listen, if you are doing those things for the right reason, all right, if you were just at the soup kitchen this last week, you know, filling people's bowls of soup for them because they couldn't handle that, all right, just understand, hey, if you serve people in God's house too, this is not you who I'm talking about. Uh, I know these people. This is how they are. They, it's because helping the bums out, helping those people, it's a way they can lift themselves up. They're not interested in just doing things on behalf of other people, making other people look good. They're not interested in that. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 37. I'm going to jump to a few passages here. Jesus says, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? Uh, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw thee sick and in prison and came unto thee? And he said, When you go do the you know the homeless shelter in the soup kitchen and you feed the bums. No. He said, And the king shall answer them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Well, listen, folks, there is a priority. It's okay to help the bums. It's okay to help the lost and minister to those people. We want to do that. It's okay if we want to minister to the community, but it's more important that we minister to God's people, to His brethren. Look what it says in Matthew 12, 46. While he yet talked to people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, who is my brother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Those doing God's will are the brothers of Christ. I've heard some people take Matthew chapter 25 and say this is talking about the Jews when we do things to the Jews because they're related to Jesus. Well, that flies in the face of what Jesus said when His own mother and His own half-brothers and sisters showed up, what did He say? Hey, who are my mother and sister and brethren? They do the will of my Father. And those who are serving God, hey, those who are in the house of God today, they're doing the will of God. But some people, they would rather go minister to those who are outside the will of God, outside of the house of God. They would rather go minister to those people. Why? Is it just because they have such great love for those people? No. It's because they just often want to lift themselves up because they've just got a superior attitude over everybody else in the church. And listen, I would be impressed if you spend a lot of time ministering to people outside the church as long as you're ministering to people inside the church too. As long as they are a priority. Over here. I've seen it too where people, people in the church often, I mean, there's some kind of event. If you have a graduation party or something, of one of the church members, you know, they would rather go to their lost neighbors. Why? Well, I want to be a testimony. Well, you know what? You ought to get your priorities right. You know, we ought to stay within our family first, right? And especially the family of God. We are the family of God. We ought to prioritize that way. But that, that's not what we see happen. I mean, people will 
Uh, he said their, their priors are all goofed up. It says in Galatians six ten. As we therefore have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Look at this, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Y'all see that? There's a priority there. So we ought to do good to everybody. But if you are doing nothing for the people of God, your priorities are wrong. And the reason your priorities are wrong is because you have a rotten attitude. You have a superior attitude. You're looking down on everybody in the church. And when you would rather serve those outside the will of God, those outside the family of God, versus those who are in the will of God and a part of the family of God, there's a reason for that. And it's because you have a spiritual problem. And we ought to be doing both, but especially we ought to be doing it for those who are in the church. That should be the priority. That's what the Bible teaches, and the Bible's very clear on that. So it's okay for you to do good to those outside the church, but serving the Lord and His family is better. In Mark 14, and verse 3, it says, "...and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious." And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Look at this. They're, more, they're thinking it would have been better for her to give her precious ointment that she had to the poor rather than Jesus. This is another thing that real spiritual people do. They would, ra- they would, they would rather... You know, buy something, do some kind of service to those outside the church than those inside the church. And listen, this woman, she's doing it for Jesus. Well, we already saw it. How do we do things for Jesus? Do we do it by doing it for the lost? No, it says we do it for those doing the will of His Father, for His brethren. And so they are. They're murmuring against her. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. So right here, he's saying, listen, when you want to do good for the poor, you can do it. But he also he's saying, it's better to do it for me. There are priorities. And those who are a part of the household of faith take priority over those outside the household of faith. Out, they take priority over those outside the will of God. And notice too how he mentions she also had a special opportunity. And this is another thing that people do. You know, there's a lot of things, especially when it comes to doing, if you're going to plan something for the whole church. You, know, you can't always just plan around everyone's schedule. Sometimes there's the greater opportunity is to do for those in the church. And sometimes you need to take advantage of that. But what does everybody else want to do? No, we should just do it all for those outside the church. It's always about helping those outside the will of God. You know, but no, our focus ought to be here. And sometimes opportunity, you know, it provides, uh, you know, it, it makes more sense to help one than the other. And here, here's an opportunity to help Jesus, to do something for Jesus. Take advantage of that. The poor are always going to be there. And whenever there's a need here in the church, if something comes up and somebody has a special need, then you know what? Do for them. There's always going to be the poor out there. There's always going to be the Santa Clauses ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. But you know what? Sometimes we might have somebody in the congregation that actually has a need. Something might come up in their life. And you know what? We ought to focus on them before we focus on the strangers. 
and those outside. Whatever you want, go ahead and do for them. Jesus said, hey, whenever you will, go ahead. But when you have that opportunity to do for Christ, take advantage of that and focus on that. That should take the priority. We've got to get our priorities right. And so, what often happens, if we want to be the center of attention, we end up creating our own cliques. So we can end up being number one. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that do weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. It's talking about, you know, we need, we need to put other people's priorities above our own. We ought to esteem others better than ourselves. We ought to just, we ought to condescend to men of low estates. We ought to just have a lowly attitude. We ought to be honoring to other people, preferring others before ourselves. That should be our attitude. Our attitude should be, if something comes up, and there, there is somebody else is trying to do something in the church. Maybe they're trying to start some kind of ministry or just do some kind of work. They've got some kind of event planned. You know what? I'm going to put what they're doing above what I'm doing. You know what? I'm going to adjust my schedule for them. That should be their attitude. But it is. It's always that one person that's just demanding, no, my thing is the most important. And they do. They like set it up as the most important thing. And then they start recruiting. You know, then they're all, then they're, they start recruiting, trying to get everybody to side with them. But we ought to put others in the church before us. That means we're not going to have a problem adjusting our schedule. We won't mind somebody else's ministry succeeding more than ours. We should see our brother's success as our success. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So that should be our attitude. Other people's needs come before mine. That's what, Jesus, that's what God said to do. That's the attitude that we ought to have. And we just can't be getting this attitude. No, what I do is the most important thing. My priorities are better than everybody else's priorities. My approach, my way is more biblical than everybody else's. Because when we start getting that attitude, we start finding ways to draw attention to what we do. We start finding ways to, you know, whenever the church is trying to do something, we start inconveniencing everyone else. It is a way to draw attention to what we do. And you say, oh, that's not how it is. It's just because it's the most important. Listen, I've been around and I've learned that there's not a huge variety of people in churches. You know, I sometimes think, I'm convinced that there are certain spirits that like can possess people in each church. Have you ever gone to another church and you saw, hey, there, you know, there's Aaron, the Aaron of this church, you know, or there's the Eric of that church. Anybody ever done that before? All right, we, we've all done that before, you know, and you know, we'll we'll point them out. Yep, there's there's brother the brother Lonnie of the church, whatever. We we all do that. All right, we we've 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 done that before, and and sometimes the similarities in people are so close. I mean, it's scary. It is really scary. 
And I have ran many people off from this church, I don't, not really on purpose, just naturally, because they reminded me so much of people that I used to go to church with. And it's just like, as soon as, I mean, I've, I've seen, as soon as they walk in, I'm just like, there they are. I, uh, and when we started this church, there were certain people we were scared of getting here. We were, we were so scared. Man, I really hope those people never come to our church. And I'm not talking about that individual. I'm talking about that personality, that spirit or whatever. And they have, they have come. And I have never, I have never purposefully ran these people off. But they never stay. And I think it's just because I just can't help but give off this get out of here <laughs> attitude. I know you and I don't want you here. I don't know. I've never been able to prove that from the Bible, but I'm convinced of it. I, I, I am absolutely convinced of it. And we do. We've got to watch out. We've got, we got to watch out for that stuff. We need to be willing to put up with other personalities, with people that have issues. People are not always going to do everything we think they should. People's priorities are not always going to line up with our priorities. And you know what? You just got to get over it. And you got to understand that everybody, though, that comes, they all contribute in their own way. And I personally think that our church is going to be better off and we're going to be stronger when we have a variety of personalities, when you have a variety of talents and abilities and people who do uh, different things, I think all of that is important. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up you know, creating this type of atmosphere where you have the cliques, where you've got one group working against another group. We can't have that. We're supposed to be enjoying our liberty that we have in Christ and in love serving one another. And a part of that liberty that we have is I have the ability, I am allowed to love those who've got issues, who don't have their priorities right. And I can help those people. And I can serve them. And you know what? At the end of the day, if they don't get their acts together and they don't do the right thing, that's between them and God. It's not my problem. I don't need... To worry about it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When I'm in a restaurant and I hear a little kid crying, I don't get stressed out. Because I'm just comforted by the fact it's not my problem. Alright? And all the parents that have little kids, you know how that is too. Because we've all been there where it has been our problem, hasn't it? And that stinks. And it's stressful. And so when you do, when you see that, that, that kid's just being terrible, you know, not, not my problem. And you know what? I'm just going to enjoy my meal. And enjoy the fact that this is not my problem. And you know what? When it comes to being in church, we're always going to have a lot of people that have issues and have problems. But you know what? At the end of the day, that's not our problem. Guess what we're allowed to do? With love, serve one another. In honor, we can prefer one another. And we can just we can do what we know we're supposed to do. And if other people aren't doing everything they're supposed to do, that's between them and God. Not my problem. I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to enjoy my Christian life. That needs to be our attitude. The people who have this attitude are always the happiest people in the church. And those who don't have that attitude are always the most miserable. And they're often the most successful in making everybody else in the church miserable. They are those who suck happiness out of churches. Church is not about you. It's about Jesus. And the way we make it about Jesus, it's not you when you come to church, you going and sitting in a corner somewhere and praying and reading your Bible. 
It's about you serving one another and being a blessing to other people in the church. It's about you paying attention to other people. And if you see that somebody looks like they're down and they've got some kind of need, you know what you do? You go help them out. You try to encourage them a little bit. Because church is about Christ and the way we make it about Christ, we make it about others. Don't be that guy that I used to go to church with. Whenever time you'd have an activity, we have a gym night where people are going to play basketball and volleyball, and he goes sit in the bleachers reading his Bible the whole time. Well, reading Bible is more important than playing basketball. Yeah, but you can read your Bible at home. Whatever you want. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we're commanded to read our Bible all day long and in all our spare time. We are allowed to enjoy ourselves every once in a while. And the churches got together and they have decided that 6 o'clock on Saturday night, we're going to get together and we're going to go play some ball. But 6 o'clock is your Bible reading time. You know? And you're not able to bend on that. So what do you do? Instead of just keeping your sorry, you know, happiness sucking carcass home, you know, what do you do? You show up and you bring your Bible and you sit there on the bleachers reading your Bible and get mad that everybody else is reading their Bible. And then they always find that one new Christian. They always find that one, you know, just very easily persuaded gullible person. They guilt trip them and then they get them up there reading their Bible with them. You know, now they can't have any fun. And now he's got them looking down. Man, I, I've gone to church with so many people like that. They give me a bad attitude. And you wonder why I scare some people off sometimes. All right? It's just, I, I, I don't want those people. They, they always turn out the sorriest kids. They always end up being the most miserable people. You, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, we're, I think we just need to make this a rule around here. I think we just, and we need to start enforcing it. Well, listen, you, God wants you to be happy. You should be happy people. You're allowed to be happy, and you being miserable is not you being spiritual. And you know what? I'm about ready to just have the, we just only happy people allowed here. Miserable people get out and stay out. If you, now, if you're miserable and you're trying to be happy, we'll help you out. We'll help you get there. But some people are just determined to be miserable and to take everybody down with them. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy my liberty, and I'm going to enjoy being a blessing to other people and serving one another and in love, serve one another. That's what we've got to be doing as a church. Get over yourself. Stop trying to prove how spiritual you are. Trying to Stop trying to make everything about yourself. Start thinking about other people. And if you have that attitude, you will be a happier person. You need to make the people of this congregation a part of your ministry. And keep loving the people out there too. Keep winning souls. Keep doing that. But don't forget about those who are of the household of faith. Be a blessing to them. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll just help us to follow these things. Help us to be uh, loving toward each other and, and serving to one another. Help us to consider the needs of others and just not find ways to just make things about ourselves and lift ourselves up with pride. Help us, Lord, to do that so we can be a strong church that's uh, united in love. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead.